hello. hello. I, so, you know, we, this is what you do on a podcast. You talk about Skype, right? So uh, as, as you and I have talked about in the past, I am constantly, and I think you are as well, confused by the red and green button mm-hmm. because it, it, I don't know why, like red, maybe it's because our phones, is that it? Maybe that the phone, when something's ringing, you hit the red button because there is no green you? button. Do I don't you? know. I don't yeah. know what I, I'm not sure. Anyway, I just had like a, like a full out, like almost seizure when I saw your call coming in. <laughs> I'm and I was so like, sorry. Yeah, no, I'm like, get it right. Get, is it red? Is it green? Look at the icon. Look at the icon. And I find, and I got it right. I didn't hang up. <laughs> but that's, but the delay, the delay was not because you were away from your computer. The delay nope. because you were, you were, it's like, it's like, which wire should I cut? Should I cut the red yep. wire? Should I cut the blue wire? It was, it was totally a MacGyver moment of, of wire cutting. And, 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 you know, we've only done this like 200 plus times, right? Exactly. Like, and, right. Exactly. You know, you think I would have figured it out by now. And I was overthinking it, Don. I think I was overthinking things. Oh, but you know, when I've gone with my intuition, I've inevitably pressed the wrong buttons. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I've got, I, I got some, some stuff, some like pertinent information. I've received a phone call this morning. I received two phone calls, but one of them I'm going to talk about. Okay. The the phone call that I received at eight o'clock this morning, and I, I'll I'll read. I didn't answer it because I don't I don't answer a lot of phone calls, mainly because usually it's it's someone who wants me to buy uh, car insurance or uh, an extended home warranty. Well, but you know you might need both of those. How would you know, Ben, <clears throat> if you it's didn't true. talk to them? How would you know that you didn't? You weren't sh- could be totally sure you didn't need those things. This is true. I'm not covering. I'm not covering <laughs> all my bases. I don't know. I'm, I might be missing something here. Okay, I'll read the transcription. Benjamin, good. It's always good when it starts with Benjamin because you know it's <laughs> you know it's somebody you. that really knows you well, right? Yeah, yeah. Donald, Donald <laughs> is is always you know it's someone close to you. Benjamin, my name is Kevin, and I'm a farmer just outside of Chapel Hill. And it says, um, in the, <laughs> there was a delay in the, <laughs> in the message. There's a major problem with the website, the extension website about hand washing that we've got to get clear. And I'm reaching out to you. Wow. Oh, Don, holy, holy crap. Right? Like, what am I going to do? There's a major, major hand washing problem going oh, on. I don't I, know. I think you might need to engage your hand washing expert friends. <laughs> well, well, may, maybe, maybe this is why I'm, why I'm calling you about this today on our is it, uh, is pre-appointed. It, I'm, well, I'm thinking, is there uh, something like a, like a bat signal, except it's uh, like soap bubbles or something? <laughs> soap bubbles are currently bubbling out of my chimney. Did you see it? It's, it's up there. <laughs> okay. So major drama, right? Major pro- so much. So this rolled in at, at 80, uh, 8.05. So this is this is a little earlier than than I'm I'm normally uh, happy to take a call yes, anyway. Yes. Haven't had any coffee. Uh, I think we've we've recounted in previous episodes about my new schedule, which I think I think in my mind this is what it's like in Spain, where I don't <laughs> I, we I think actually people in Spain probably get up a lot earlier than than I do, and then they have a siesta. I put my siesta at the start of the day and start things really around you know ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, unless it's a podcast, which I which I can do before then. But I don't really want to engage with anybody except you before I got around <laughs> it. And that's Thank and you. you should yes, and you Thank should you. think that's... that like that's it, it's not it's a compliment. It's it's something that this this helps me get my brain going. And so at eight oh five, I get this the panic right. There's a major issue, major hand washing issue that we need you, it's on your website. We need you to take care of it. Okay. All right. So let me go. I'll, I'll get to this person. Let me, let me, let me make some coffee. My coffee process is not fast, right? It's I I'm, I'm grinding up beans in my, in my hand, burr hand grinder. Then I'm boiling water. And then I've got a, this, you know, Chemex knockoff. Do you go, so I'm, do you I'm go like, and cl- pull, 
do you go and collect sticks to make a fire to boil the water? Is that part of it? Or I not? do. I do. Okay. Yeah. I got to go. Get, I got to go get the sticks. We, we're only we're not using flints when we when we, I can only start it with the power of the sun and a broken shard of glass. So it's got to. Yeah. It's rough on those cloudy days. So, <laughs> it's cloud, no coffee on, on cloudy days. Show title. I get I get my I get my coffee. It's it's now 834. I know this because I'm looking at my at my phone and I and I, and I respond to this individual and call call a Chapel Hill, North Carolina number. And I say, and I hear someone say, Rosers of Farms, what he answers. And I say, uh, is this Kevin? <laughs> yes, it is. So Kevin, this is uh, Ben Chapman from NC State University. I hear we have a hand-washing problem. And I literally say that. Because <laughs> I don't know. Because you don't know. I don't know what yeah. else to say. I don't know. Maybe. And he goes, well, well, we've got, you know, he's, uh, I've, I've got, I think I've got it sorted out now. But there was there was a, Wait, a major he, problem. He sorted out a problem on your website. Yes, yes, and wow. this is where it's awesome. This you see, it's it's all it, the, the buildup is is uh, is going to be worth it, dog. Um, <laughs> it better be. <laughs> yeah, it might might be might be might not be at all. So he says, "I got it. I, I talked to somebody else. I got it. I got it solved." And I said, "Okay, well, what 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 is the problem?" So, well, I, I designed, you know, about a decade ago, I designed a, a wash uh, a hand washing station that doesn't it's, uh, doesn't require any sort of equipment. It's something that someone could set up at a farmer's market and, and I put the plans out. And the website that I listed on those plans now points to a porn site. Oh. <laughs> like, okay. Wow. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. So he's like, so that's so interesting got... that he calls you to solve that problem. <laughs> right, right. And I said, okay. And and I'm 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 like, well that and <laughs> of course, here I am. You know, I've made my, I've, I've made the fire. I've made the coffee. I've brewed the coffee. I'm drinking the coffee. It is not hit full. Like I'm not fully awake. And I say something like, well, is it fixed? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, yeah, I got it. I got it taken care of. I contacted someone else on your website who said that they would take the link down. And I said, well, that certainly is a problem. We don't want people getting porn when they're looking for hand washing. And, and, <laughs> And let me tell you, crickets. He did not think that was a funny joke <laughs> at all. <laughs> and I thought that was the funniest thing that I could come up with at 8, 8.35 in the morning on, on one coffee is, well, we don't want people getting porn when they're looking for hand washing. And so anyway, no, no. Anyway, we, we, have, uh, we have solved the, the great porn uh, hand washing caper of so, June I have, I have so many questions. So, <laughs> go, all right. Go. So he contacted someone else on your website because apparently, apparently. your website was pointing to a porn site? Uh, yeah. Uh, yep. So yep. I, I still have so many, I, I have so many questions. So, but he made a website. He made a website, and it was his 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 website that has now been purchased. His his oh. URL has now been purchased by by the porn industry. Got it. Um, so all right, so your website was pointing to his website, but he did not renew his don domain, and it yeah, got scavenged up for for porn. But, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, yeah. I, don't you have people to like check those things, Ben? Sure, I don't know. Could be. Well, it also the in in our conversation. I, I I point out to him because again I'm a little bit not it, fully it's caffeinated. 835, <laughs> no, it's it's eight thirty five in the morning and I'm I'm acerbic. That's the that's probably the best word I can use right now for it. Where I'm like I don't know why this guy's calling me. And I'm like, hey, where what where on the web? How did you call me? Like where on the website is this? And he goes, well, it's on the NC State Extension website. And I was like, well, there might be like 
five or 600 people that contribute to that website. How, why, why me? He said, well, I was clicking through a bunch of links and saw your name and number at the bottom of one of them. I'm like, okay, okay well, that, got it. that works. Yep. Anyway, I believe he also found someone else because in the 30 minutes that I didn't answer him because I was still asleep, he called maybe eight or nine other people that he clicked through and found their names <laughs> nice. on the website. Yeah. Nice. So, All right. So, but it really, it really was, it wasn't, he was, he was actually, honestly, he was trying to be a good citizen, right? He because was, his, was his, he had let his domain lapse and it had been scavenged up by a porn site and he was, ups, he was wanting to let you alert you. That yeah. you guys were linking to something that you didn't know that you were linking to. So exactly, and, and it, yes, I, I'm not. I'm not sure that exactly qualifies as an emergency because who knows how long well, this has been up. But <laughs> at least he was doing his due I, diligence. Agreed, agreed. And and I'm, it was it was emerge. It was an. Oh, I just called him by accident. Um, <laughs> it was an emergency to him this morning. Yeah, for for sure. And uh, it's a major yeah. major problem. So major I just problem. have I just have one more major question, Ben. Yes, yes. What's the website? <laughs> well, I don't know what the website is. And I'm going to see if I can find this actually might be might be the punchline to the whole joke here <laughs> because because the name of the hand washing unit that he designed without fully outing him, but I think we can do that now is called Use Your Foot. <laughs> okay hold on hold on sorry sorry we'll cut this out say that again what's the name <laughs> the hand, the, it is called the hand washing unit that he uh, created is called use your foot and that is use yep that it is you use use dash your y-e-r dash foot Okay. So I guess that's that's All a right. very I think it's a very niche porn uh, site. Well, it de now. depends on what you mean by niche, Ben. <laughs> it's, good. it's true. There's this a is true. there's oh. a whole there's a whole internet out there devoted to pictures of celebrity feet, as has been discussed on another uh, podcast that we listen to. It's true with with spaghetti, with I believe, right? A feet and spaghetti. Use your foot. Anyway, so I, I think we, we I think it's okay. I don't think he he said that he has retired that site and uh, he no longer does that work and the designs oh, wait, are, still, are still uh, you, there. Use use your foot, Carolina Farm Stewardship Association. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. That's it. So I click the link at your own at your own peril or uh, warning. Warning, no, no, it's, warning. It's it's fine. It's it's uh, it's totally fine. We should we should we Maybe should give, we should promote this. I'm not not of foot porn, but. <laughs> But no, this Whatever. this, this, this looks fine. This this looks. Yeah. I mean, th this particular website that we will link to is not is not porn. It's a very nice website. Good, 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 excellent. Well, that, see, I didn't do my homework before, but I did think that that you know, as you started asking, I was like, oh yeah, this is this, <laughs> this is, is going to happen. I mean, here's the thing: if we don't answer this question, we will get listener feedback. Right, right, right. And and you know what? This is actually probably the funniest part of the whole thing. Uh, is the name of it. Um, so, so anyway, oh, there it is. Uh, let me, let me screenshot this. Um, it's, it is a, uh, from useyourfoot.com. Uh, mm -hmm. This is a, a link on Pinterest <laughs> and it is a dominatrix, uh, cams. So use your foot as a, as a dominatrix. I'm which, not, I'm not sure what? I even know what that sense. is, but sure. I think it makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. Well, you know, yeah. this, here's the thing about the, here's the thing about the porn community, Ben. They are they are a diverse and eclectic uh, lot. I think. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know. And I and I, I they're good at the internet. 
they they internet very well. So uh, anyway, that was that was my that was a that was it started as a hand washing emergency this morning. That's that's how my morning that's how my morning started. And and I and I thought through this entire conversation, I like and this is this is what my my entire chain of thought now when I do things is oh I can't wait to tell Don that this is this is what happened right before we started recording today. It was a, a hand washing emergency. Very good. So, Very good. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. So, actually, in this case, the signal, uh, the bat signal, would not be uh, soap bubbles. It would actually be uh, like a, a Monty Python style uh, foot. <laughs> it would be a foot right out of my chimney, with maybe with bubbles. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we got that going on. I we're we're now. You know, this this will sound just like everything else you've seen on the internet and social media that isn't you know disturbing and, and upsetting for the last uh, few weeks but we are also in like quarantine day number 100 or something here at home and 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 we're we're settling I think we finally hit our groove we're settling in we know what we know in in the in the Chapman Pierce family how to handle things uh, we we sleep in the uh, kids are are have found their own entertainment and now here's here's the other little I guess it's I don't know if it's opsec but you know sharing some personal news. I was also awakened at 3.30 in the morning last night by one of my kids screaming about an ear uh, ache. Oh, dear. Um, he, he was like, re yeah, really, really in pain. We've determined that that he probably has an ear infection. And so he's on his way to the doctor. He's much better this morning after some pain uh, medicine and, and some ear drops. But but yeah, so that was that was exciting, at least in, in, in my my little my little realm. You You and I have been sharing a little bit about like workspaces, and I think lots of people are adapting to nicer weather maybe in much of the U.S. and are working with their computers outside, and so I've been trying to do that. I, I thought about doing the podcast outside today, but someone, someone, well, a friend of the show, we'll, we'll, name, we'll call him Larry. He works for a major grocery store chain who's not been on the show, but, but you and I both know him. He, he and I were talking on the phone a couple of weeks ago and he, he yelled at me for how loud the birds were in my backyard. So I thought that the, the foley of being outside and, and having bird noises probably wasn't so good. So I'm in, I'm in the home office with my two, two nice, uh, 27 inch screens in front of me while we can search the internet and talk about things. Uh, you know, it, it, it's funny. I had the exact same thought like, Oh, I could do this from, from outside. But then my next thought was, well, I've got a boom mic and I don't want to move the boom mic. And then I thought, well, you know, I have been wanting to get another mic because I don't know if you know this, Ben, road podcasters are passe, right? They are oh, yeah. not, We're not the, the go-to podcasting microphone anymore. And, but that sends me down a whole rabbit hole of, okay, well then I probably want one that's not a USB mic, right? Which means I need to get a box. And then, and then I'm like, oh God, this is just turning into a project, and and the podcaster is good enough, right? So, right. yeah, but I but I yeah, I had serious thoughts of doing the uh, podcast from uh, my backyard today as well. So, but but it, got, but decided not to for different reasons. <laughs> for different reasons, yeah, not for yeah for for practical reasons, not for the quality of the audio and the audience, which is where my very you know my 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 holistic uh, view on this was <laughs> well the most important thing i think from that whole story is though i'm i'm kind of jealous that grocery store larry calls you and not me because i hardly yeah. ever hear from him <laughs> well so i think this is here here's the thing. my wife yelled at him for being a republican he may never speak to me again 
True, true, true. <clears throat> Grocery store Larry is in my he's in my state, uh, not not too much opsec, but but oh, also is... so I think he is one of my stakeholders. Ah, uh, got in, it. your in state, your extension. state stakeholders. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that that's but I think he would call you. I think so. I, I'll I'll message him. Uh, <laughs> hey. So hey, so I got something for us mm-hmm. if we ever go back to like you, touring. You know, because we, we want to do it. That's what I like to describe it as. One of the things that that you and I have done, if you're if you're new to listen to the pod, new listen to the podcast, there are some live episodes in our back catalog of some some of dubious recording quality, right? Like like we we've run into some some interesting situations where we think that we're going to have good recording and then it doesn't work and and I think most famously the last one that we did we talked with with folks and this, by no by no means is this anything to do with the organizers they thought it was all straight but then the person who was actually doing the recording in the room recorded the room audio not our mic audio so we ended up with this like just you know ter- terrible like bootleg version of a podcast that that had really good content so anyway and we'll link to a couple of old old uh, episodes that are that are live and I have been over the last couple of years like doing doing a little bit of like huh, passive research on what's the best way to do our podcasts in in person because and and again this is this is another like behind the scenes of food safety talk. Every year when IAFP happens and we do it in person, Don and I get together and and do a podcast. And the first you know couple of times it was just us, and then we had one or two guests. And last year I think we had about twenty people join us. And and it's always like you know you bring a microphone, I bring a microphone. I I set up uh, some sort of like in person recording through. In some cases it's been in um, Rock Band. I think last year I used QuickTime, and it's 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 awkward. Because we're like it's it's not really set up for dual inputs. So I think I've solved it, Don. And, and again, this is not something that that we're going to use anytime soon. But but I'm optimistic that sometime in the future we will. And I I, I bought something, um, and I, it's still in the box. So I don't know whether it works. But I, I I did a bunch of research, and this seems to be the best thing. It's something called Roland makes it, and they they make. Uh, they're like a, a music company. They make a lot of things like recording studio things. And this is called a Go Livecast. And it's live streaming studio for smartphones. And I think it has it, it's got dual, it's got inputs for two different microphones, lots of head headphones, you know, with cords, and but it's a but it's a box that that all the things go through. And and I think I could we can record stuff directly to like audio uh, mass, audio notes, whatever it is, voice memos on a, on an iPhone. So, so we're going to try this next time. Yeah. So, and, so it might. Yeah. And, and I think, and I think that's, yeah. So thank you for that. And that was also my thought is if I'm going to get something, it should also be something that could work if, if I'm going to get a box myself, cause I need one for my non USB mic, whatever the other thing is, that's not a USB output is, it should be also one that can do something like this. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So, so I, so this is one where I, I, I do a lot of, okay. So. But we, we, we've talked about this in a previous podcast. My, my quick thing, you and I talked a little bit about how we get our news and, and I'll, I'll recap I'll do this very quickly. You get your news from Facebook local and I get my news from, <laughs> and I get well, my news I get, from Apple news. So, so let, let me, let me, I, I get some, I get my local news from Facebook local. I get got it, the got rest it, of it. my news from Twitter or from the Washington post daily news feed. Yes. 
or yeah, uh, yes, the, yeah. the Washington Post thing that they email you twice a day. Yeah. 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 And, and I, and so on a, on a podcast that, that we listened to uh, a friend of the show, Merlin man mentioned that he was using us, us, um, a service, I guess, for Twitter called nuzzle that kind of curates things that many people that you follow have linked to, which I like, but also what I, what I've been doing is I, I spend a lot of time now on Apple news. And, and since we've been in, you know, isolation and, and I, I like, I'm not, I probably will not, not, I will not stop subscribing to this, but I also subscribe to news plus as kind of like one of my things, like I wasn't spending a lot of time paying for coffee or on gas. And I was like, Oh, there's a little bit of money left in, in our budget. I can spend $10 a month and get a whole bunch of magazines. Anyway, one thing that I really like about Apple news is you can sort of select a lot of topics and I'm sure it's curated based on all of the ads that I, that I click on and it's, it's really targeted to me, but there's a whole bunch of stuff on Apple. And that's where I found this go live, go live cast thing from Roland was there, you know, in somewhere in my like curation, someone knew that I like, you know, Apple knew that I listened to podcasts and maybe make podcasts because it came up in like consumer electronics and news. And this thing was on sale. And it was like, oh, this actually worked like this now worked both, both sides, right. Worked obviously in the product placement because I bought it, but also worked like it got me to the something that I've been looking for for a long time through Amazon. And I just never like landed on the right thing. And I think this is it. So anyway, we'll, you know, future episode homework and, you know, episode 300, the next time when we do a live show, uh, whatever it is, I'll, we'll, we'll know whether, whether it works, but anyway, I'm, 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 I'm optimistic that I've got the right thing for us because, because it, and, and I, you know, this is one of the things that, we we have because of practicality and not knowing our setup and the people that are on the ground that are organizing meetings have the contacts with with IT and the audio visual folks in a room we've really relied on them and said okay here's what we need we need an we need a soundboard audio recording however someone's going to do that and we don't care whether it's a wave file or you know we want as much you know as as uh, we don't want as uh, we don't want much compression give us right. whatever you can give us <clears throat> And, and so, and we've kind of been at the mercy of, of those folks and, and that's, you know, whatever that's, that, that was, that was our situation. So now I think we've got, we got something that hopefully we can ad, amend this to the process. Cause I think we can fire, we can run the, the microphones that we're talking into through this box to the audio visual out. Oh, there's an output that they can then run the, the audio out of, or we can have two different microphones. In a right. Way. Right. And well, and here, and here's the thing, like we can, we can control the quality of our microphones. We can control the recording now. And then, we, then we can also just, uh, the last thing is after you do all of that, then you just you know, send, send the audio signal to the room. And then as long as there's not feedback between the room speakers and, and our microphones were good. So, right, yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. So, so anyway, we'll, we'll try this, we'll try this baby out. Cool. Um, yeah. So I was, that was, that was that there was something else I was going to tell you about that, uh, that has been going on in the world of maybe Apple or something. I don't know. Did you watch WWDC? WWDDC? Is there, is there anything going on in the world of Apple this week, Ben? This, this week of, uh, that started on Monday, June 22nd. I don't know. Yeah, no, obviously, uh, this week is WWDC and the keynote and the, the other thing that comes after the keynote state of the union were on Monday and I have not listen to them, but apparently they did announce a lot of really exciting things. I am just a little ways into the Accidental Tech Podcast uh, podcast, which is their debriefing from WWDC, and 
I am not very, I'm not very far through that. It looks like I have over two and a quarter hours left to go. So I have a half, about a half hour. It's, it was more, the, the, the podcast was more than three hours. And so for those of you that complain about our podcast being too long, yeah, so, and I'm, and I'm about half an hour in. And, and the, the problem has been, I've got too much, I've got too many podcasts to listen to. And so I have had to re, reconfigure and I need to re-reconfigure my podcast listening because right now I've just got too many categories in Overcast and, and my sort of my top, my top tier is devoted to politics and coronavirus. And so the tech podcasts and, and entertainment, right? It's like fun, fun podcasts like uh, Do My Friday and Roderick. And then, and then the, the, and then everything else is just a garbage fire below that. Right. And, and I sort of segregated out the tech podcasts and I'm, I'm behind on them and I probably won't ever catch up, but I did, I figured I should listen to the ATP cause that'd be a good way. But yeah, actually. So, so most exciting Apple news to me is that Apple uh, is going to basically take control of their Silicon and, and yeah, they're, yeah. they're announced that they're they can run Mac OS. It looks like on arm arm hardware, and it's I mean, and I'm probably messing some of that up, but it it's very exciting because what it means is Apple is no longer going to be reliant on Intel to make CPUs, and that it's a very exciting time. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited. And and so my my big takeaway, and I'm I'm the I <clears throat> we we've talked a little bit about this in the past too. I am constantly moving towards my iPad Pro as my primary place to do email and work on Google Docs and, and different things. And so there's an, you know, an update coming in the fall to iPad OS 14 and it's more more computery things that you know just flexibility because I'm I'm all about the multitasking that that happens now. It is I'm so I I, I like the being at home has has made me love the my iPad flexibility even more and I and I have not I think I'm going to mention I ordered a uh, magic keyboard with a touchpad that has not arrived yet so I don't have any any review on that for you yet but I think that's going to make things even more you know more me getting to that to that point and it's it's funny it's like there are certain things I really want to do at my desktop and there are certain things I I'm finding that I'm doing less things just on my laptop like either I'm sitting at my desk or I'm on my iPad hmm right now. And so my, my laptop, my laptops like become my, 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 my left, my black sheep. And, but only when I'm, when I'm outside and, and there's like some, you know, major switching going on between my email and writing or whatever, whatever that I'm on my laptop, but I've been doing a lot more on my, on my iPad outside um, at, as at, well. That's interesting. So I, I have the new keypad for, for oh. my iPad pro and I love it. It's, it's yeah, really, yeah. it's really good. The, the ability it gives you to kind of adjust the angle uh, of, the, of the screen is very nice. It is my, if I am, if I am listening to a Zoom call and I don't have to do any, anything, like share my screen, that is my preferred device for consumption of Zoom calls, right? Mm. Except, except that then if my, if my camera is on, it's not my preferred environment for working during a Zoom call, which of course right. I would never do because that right. would be no one rude, does that. rude and disrespectful. But if I were to do that, it's much easier to do that on my iPad, on my uh, laptop, because then I'm just staring at the screen and I'm working, you know, theoretically uh, uh, while the while the Zoom call is going on. But if I, but if I've got to, if it's one of those things where I've got to pay attention. And I can't do work on the side too much. Then, then that's my preferred device. But I, but I, I really, I do like it. My, my main, but here, my main way of inputting text on both my, especially my phone and 
uh, to a certain extent, my iPad and increasingly my laptop is spoken text, right? And mm-hmm. and it is it 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 Siri on my phone is is just rock solid. Like she gets almost everything I say. The iPad is not quite as accurate, and the laptop is the least accurate. But it's not it's not bad. It's tolerable. The problem is it's not as good if I'm actually wa- most of the time when I want to be dictating when I'm doing serious work on my laptop at least for a couple hours a day. I'm walking, and there's a lot of ambient noise, and that makes it hard to do dictation. The dictation quality is much better when I'm just sitting in my backyard, and the only background noise is, is birds or dogs, right? Yeah, yeah. Are you using? Because you used to use Dragon. Yep. Dragon text. Type dragon. Dragon dictate. Yeah. Dragon now, dictate. now I, I no, no, because it's been it, it doesn't it's been discontinued for macOS, oh. and so now I just hit the uh, little command key twice, and that pops up Siri, and it works pretty well. Huh. Huh. I so here. Let me. So, let me let, let, I'll demonstrate it for you right now, Ben. Watch this. Okay. Testing one two three. This is a dictation test. Period. I left. A, oh, I'll stop. Oh, no, it's still going. Sorry. I, I left somebody. I left somebody a voicemail message, and I spoke the punctuation. <laughs> I said, "I said, hi. We're having a, a Zoom call right now. Are you going to be able to join us?" Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> but but yeah. So so yeah. It's really bad. So no. So so I just dictated into the document where I'm uh, collecting show notes, and it's and what it what it wrote was testing with a capital T because it was the beginning of a line. One the numbers one, the number two, the number three. This is a dictation test with a period. So yeah, that was captured flawlessly. But I'm also I'm also the, I don't, the fan is very quiet in the background, and I'm not walking, and I'm and I'm not a good microphone. So yeah. Yeah, I I'm right. just way faster. Like the, the so we, and we should this would be a nice way to segue. So the blog post that I wrote for Barf Blog yesterday that was almost a, it was it was 100% almost 100% dictated, and it was it was basically alternating back and forth between my phone and my laptop, all in drafts. So that was exactly what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Was did you is that what you okay good good good. So and then also I just I've never enabled Siri on my on, on my desktop. I don't know if that's and mainly because I never thought about what the function was that I would use Siri for. I'm a crap typist, Ben. <laughs> well, and now I'm, I'm thinking maybe I'll do this anyway. So I enabled Siri and then I got Siri to listen to me and then it cut out your audio. So I so hopefully <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I won't be doing that again right now. Not on the podcast. Um, I, I was, I would, you know, I'm never sure because audio inputs are so fraught these days with switching between multiple platforms and multiple inputs. Like anytime you do anything with audio, you have to be prepared for it to break. And I, that was a little bit. I was, I was flying a little bit without a net there to try and do Siri dictation at the same time that call recorder was recording. But everything seems to have worked out okay. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Okay, hey, so you mentioned two things. Well, things that you're listening to in podcasts. I want to highlight another. I put a plug in for an excellent podcast that that we have talked about, which is this week in virology. Which you have you you continue to listen to? I'm I'm assuming is that yep. uh, yeah, I, still I, in your. Yep. Yeah, I skip. I, I delay. I delay listening to the ones that are recorded some time ago. Right. Like there's like episode. Yes. I, listen to episode six twenty nine, which was a, a live update, a live episode, or a, you know in, in current time. And then there's one six thirty and six twenty seven, which is from the Singapore Environmental Health something something. And I th- those I will listen to if I have time, if I can get to them. Right. Because it's just it's just not yeah not not not. I I here's the thing, Ben. I want a podcast that is all coronavirus science 
all the time. And they said on the last on 629, 629 that they're going to start getting they started talking about Ebola and they you know they're not going to focus 100% on coronavirus, which is fine. That's their virology podcast, yeah. not a coronavirus podcast. But I but I really I want um I, I want a I want a podcast that has smart scientists talking about coronavirus and that's what I get from from Twiv. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. And I and and so I I've, I've started listening to it and I think it's it's excellent and it's very so it, like it fits this really interesting intersection because I think it's I think it's relatively accessible for folks that are not virologists, but also there's lots of times where it gets really in depth for the the I don't know the biology of of viruses that that so so I think there's it's it like I guess maybe similar to what what food safety talks all about right where right. there's some of the things that are very accessible to people that are not in our world and we I think we try to to make sure we keep that in mind and then sometimes we get real nerded out and and I le- I like that it's it's a it's a nice it's yeah I've been I've been enjoying it one other one have you listened to podcast 19 from 538 no at all so it's pretty good it's so 538 that's uh, Nate Silver's I don't know if, if like I always think of it as Nate Silver's website but it's obviously a big collective of lots of people ABC and ESPN owns it now I think it used to be loosely mm-hmm. affiliated with the New York Times yep. I think it was independent yep. at some yep. point anyway so but they let me look at when this was I just stumbled across this this week they started a podcast back in May but uh, weekly, they're doing just a short, you know, twenty-minute podcast with with the five thirty-eight kind of voice, and and it's really it's really quite. I, I, I it to me, it's akin to another one of my favorite podcasts, which is the New York Times The Daily, mm-hmm. especially on there like so there are certain times with on the Daily where they they get into a lot of really good sciencey questions and other like politics questions as well. But it's got a similar kind of voice to that. So I really yeah, I've enjoyed it. And it's, there's not like, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm learning new and breaking news there or the intricacies of some of the science, but it, they're doing a really good job of, of doing what 538 does, which is let's look at, let's look at numbers and let's look at perspective on those. And, and they're, you know, I want to, 538 like a, like a smart turns out Malcolm Glad- Gladwell to me the, uh, <laughs> with, with less condescending tone. In, but but it's anyway it's it's good it, so check check uh, that's my my recommendation for you this this week is to check that one out thanks and I've got I've got one for you I don't know if I've recommended this before but this one of the podcasts that has become my you know in in the category of most most likely will listen to this week when it comes out is a podcast called the new abnormal which has as the two people on it Molly Jongfast and Rick Wilson who are two people that I follow on uh, Twitter Rick is a former Republican fundraiser and speechwriter and he's just a he's he He's got he's got the kind of brutal and and this sort of twist the knife kind of wit that that, that David Simon has, for example, and and Molly Jongfast. I, I shouldn't say like she's famous because her mother is Erica Jong, but for people of my generation, you know, we know who Amer- Erica Jong is, and Molly's her daughter, and but she's a really smart woman in her own right, and uh, yeah, and the latest episode. And they've got some pretty good, got some pretty good guests. The the guest on the most recent episode was Henry Winkler. The title yeah. of the episode is "Does Henry Winkler Have an Antifa Membership?" And it's very, it's very funny. And it talks about. And I don't think I follow Henry Winkler on Twitter, but I might need to. Apparently, he had a viral tweet where, get this, he drank a glass of water with one hand. <laughs> so, no, oh and, no. And Henry, Henry, Henry. I've heard other interviews with Henry Winkler. He is a, he's a really interesting, and just a really what seems like a very like kind and sweet 
a nice person. So anyway, so and it's and they're and you know they're they're you know they're they they're political for sure, and and they and they don't really they they you know they're not scientists, right? But they, I, they anyway. I, I oh, and Rick is 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 involved in the Lincoln Project. I don't know if you've been following the Lincoln Project, yes. but he's one of the instrumental people. Along with uh, the wife of the woman that works for the pre- or the husband of the woman that works for the president, what's his name? George Conway. George, George Conway, yes, who's also very a very good Twitter follow. So anyway, so those are that's my recommendation to you, and it's short. It's pretty tightly edited. It's a little too tightly edited for me. Sometimes the, the edits are a little bit abrupt, but but it's 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 always less than an hour, and it's sometimes yeah forty five minutes to to an hour, and it's it's good. So I'm enjoying that as well. Cool, cool. I just added that. That's that looks good. And when I googled it, the new abnormal also just just if, for people that are uh, doing their googling, you'll find this is a the um, most recent album by The Strokes, one of my favorite garage rock bands that was <laughs> that was released in April of this year, which is great because I was like the new abnormal. I know what that is because I have that album. Uh, That's so, funny. But it's a different. It's a it's a different. It's a yeah. Okay, so. A uh, couple of couple of things on that. Another, so one of Danny, my you know, what my my wife, my my spouse, she has been listening to a podcast called Election Profiteering, and check that out as well because I think it's it, it's a really good it's a good listen. I don't know if you've listened to that, but Michael no. Bazzacco, friend of the friend of the show, also sent me that one not so long ago. So it's it's a good it's a goodie. Cool. Okay, so I got a podcast. So segue, we got let's get into some some food safety stuff and and other things. But I have a. I got I guess wait. A so so sorry. So help me oh. help me find. I want to link to election profiteering, and I'm yes. I'm I I have a I found a podcast called Election Profit Makers. That's it. That's oh, okay. election. Yes, election profit makers. Okay, cool. I called it. I called it something different. It's okay. So Google um, still found it. Good. Nice job, Google. And uh, what was I going? Oh yeah. So so here's a here's something that I want you to to help me with. Mm. So I'm doing a, 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 a NC State. One, my my friend, we talked a little bit about him on previous podcasts. As uh, he's a microbiologist who does a lot of like microbiome stuff. Rob Dunn. He's a I think he's like an evolutionary biologist mm-hmm. or something, but is just a phenomenal writer. We we do a lot of cool stuff together. We were doing the sort of food spoilage stuff a, a few months ago. Yep. A- anyway, so so Rob Rob had this fantastic idea. And this is why I really like hanging out with Rob. Rob's like this guy who's like, I'm he's he's this like a, a true like uh, this this will sound so he's like a truly classic academic where he's like, I'm I need to just think about something for a while. But then he comes up with these phenomenal ideas and follows through on them. And so he, he, so in that respect, he's not like a typical academic, right? Right. It's like, he starts out as let me pontificate. And then he's like, damn, I'm, we're going to do this. So, so he had this idea of, you know, universities will be, will be changing not just this year, but, but probably in the future. And one of the things that he would really like to do is create a course for incoming NC state students to talk about all of the things that we do at NC State to solve big problems. And so so he's like, I'm going to put together this class. I'm going to do it. We're going to do it all online. We're going to start it in the, in the summer before students actually come to campus. And we'll, we'll get to that in a minute before, you know, whatever happens in, in the fall. And I want it to focus this year on, you know, the, the elephant in the room. It's going to be on COVID-19. And what, are, what do we do at NC State that contributes to solutions around this? And so so he put together just like, you know, it's, you know he knows everybody and, and, and everyone from like, 
folks in the history department to psychology to me because I'm everybody to 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 whoever and said, okay, I want I don't know what this is going to look like, but I want you to put your creativity and contribute to this class, and and we're it, the the idea that is that this is something that our incoming students can take alongside their parents to give them a sense of what we do at NC State. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. I'd love to, I'd love to do this. So, so he's, so it's, it's like, you know, 5,600 students. Some of what we're going to do is, is synchronous. Some of it's asynchronous. And so, so what the, the, the production team for this class, cause it really is sort of set up like a series of Ted talks and, and other types of things. One thing that they asked me to do was to, to, was like, Hey, you do a podcast. You should do a podcast because you know about podcasts. Like, okay, what does that, what does that mean? And, and so I, I talked with a couple of folks who are in the technical side of, of our online courses to, to help me a little bit figure out what we would do. And what we kind of arrived at was, and this will be, I guess, five or six weeks from now, I, I, I'll, I'm going to do like a serial style because that's the best way that I can describe it. But like a narrated, narrated, produced type of podcast story about something related to COVID-19 and food safety. And I don't know exactly what that is. That's what I'm working on today and this week. But but the idea is to tell to, to interview some people and to tell a story about what it's been like to be in a grocery store, what it's like to be in a meat and poultry packing plant and, and how things have changed. And then, and then put a little bit of, you know, narration of where, where, what I do impacts that over top of that. And, and so, so I'm, I'm kind of excited about it because, you know, you and I do a podcast like this, and then we also do another podcast called risky or not, where, where it's, it's a little bit like this, but it's one specific topic and, and we give like a really quick take on it. And, and, and I've never, you know, I, I don't, I don't listen to a whole lot of, I guess, like serial style. And for those who are not, you know, really sure what, what, what I mean by that, check out the podcast serial on, you know, on NPR, but also check out like a podcast like, oh, you were wrong about, or what's the one slow burn, something like, oh gosh, what's the other one that I really like that. Anyway, there there are other there are other ones that are that are out there that kind of tell a story over three or four episodes. Criminal is a good a good example, one that that I really enjoy, and they're just very pretty. It's a different type of media than what we do. But anyway, I'm going to try this and see what it's what it's like. But my thought is, and so so what I want to ask you about is what what types of stories do you think lend themselves to that? You know, twenty minute with with some interviews that that weaves a story. And I, and, you know, for, for something like, like this, that, that, that is, you know, thinking about who the audience is, people that are not, you know, people that are, that are just, I think maybe into stories. And then, and then the second question is what I've already asked about is if this goes well, and it's not like something that's, that's, I don't know if, if, if the outputs are something that I really like and the input to it, isn't something like this is a full-time job is there space within our system for me to do more of these and tell more stories in the food safety world in this narrated way with help? Cause I don't like that. I think the thing that, that you and I really like about how we do our podcast is we, it's pretty like, you know, we spend a couple hours talking and maybe spend another hour or so editing and putting some show notes together and getting it out there. That's not, it's not a hugely taxing process. You got to make space in your, in your day to, to make that hour work and not have it be like a month afterwards, which is something that I've slipped into in the past. 
but but is there is there space to do something where I had where I had some help from you know I don't have to pay somebody and they kind of get what I'm looking for that's part of our NC State system and so so I don't again I'm I'm like getting way too far in advance but I wanted I I'm always thinking like if I'm gonna put some effort into this maybe I'm gonna spend 15 or 20 hours over the next four weeks on this idea is it more than just one episode is there is there something else that 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 I can do if I like it I want to leave that door open so. So that that's that's the setup. But my question to you is, what what do you what would you be interested in in listening to as someone who listens to to podcasts and maybe not podcasts always of this kind of forum, but what would you as someone who's who's a you know close to me in this in, in this system? What do you, what do you think are good stories that you'd want to hear more about? It, specifically, food safety. Yeah, specifically food safety and 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 COVID nineteen. And, and yeah, or or food systems, but I think I, I think my sweet spot is, is 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 this a food safety question, right? I think that's the like that that's where I've I've started with this. And and if it's not a food safety question, why isn't it a food safety question? How is this impacting what we're doing in food safety? And and, and but but those are such big global questions that I can't I can't distill that down into in, into you know 15 or 20 minutes story I think. So so anyway, yeah, but I think it's the the intersection of food safety and COVID-19. Well, that's that's the podcast that you and I do right now. <laughs> no, no, it's different. It's different on. But short. Okay. It's short and it's and we don't like, you know, it's it's the what you know, thinking about the what what could I can I call can I call farmer Kevin who called me this morning mm. about his hand washing mm. problem? And say, what is this doing to you? What, mm. what, how, how have you changed? Right, like that's not the podcast you and I do. I don't think. Right. We, so, we do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, all right. So, it sounds like, it sounds like it's an interview show. Okay, and it's it's you and a different guest every time, and and then you you maybe maybe if I was going to do it, here's what I would do. I would come up with a, a stock list of like ten questions, right? And I would just go and ask those questions to different people, right? You could go talk to your your grocery store Larry friend, right? Yep. You could go talk to somebody who runs a trade association, right? You could go and talk to somebody who is is you know, associated with the meat industry, right? You could you could hey you could talk to somebody who works in a gro- like it would be good to get a perspective of Larry, yes. but then also a perspective of somebody who works in a grocery store, right? You could interview county agents, you could interview uh, teaching faculty, research faculty, extension faculty, right? And But I think each, you need to, uh, the way, again, the way that I would do it is I would come up with a standard list of questions, and then I would just ask those same questions of, at least start by asking the same questions of every person, and, and that's and that's the format, right? Because it has to be, it has to be something that's relatively, uh, to me, if, if again, this I'm talking from my own perspective, if, if this was something that I was going to do, it would need to have some you know, it need to have some structure to it and it couldn't be too much extra work because I, yes. you know, it's hard to add more things. And, and honestly, I would say the most important thing, and this is speaking from my perspective as the guy who's not posting episodes of Risky or Not, you really need somebody else to do all of the back end editing and, and website and everything. And all you do, Ben, is you show up and you be yourself and you, you maybe identify the guests, you, you book the guests and then you interview the guests and then somebody else handles all the other stuff. That's so that uh, that's kind of what I'm what I'm thinking mm-hmm. as well. Like that that's what has made this a little less daunting is that the folks in in our technology, it's our like online technology group that do 
audio editing and video editing and, and our like production specialists, they've come from different, you know, different areas to, you know, there's a, you know, an instructional designer who's like, okay, well, what are, what are the object, what are we trying to get out of this? Right? Like, what does an episode look like? Thinking about it as what is a, what does a lecture look like? What does an, a module look like? And then there's, there's technology behind like, okay, I want to tell this story. Can you edit this? The, these are the things that I want. I want it, you know, in this, in this kind of format. So, but I hadn't, so, so I'm going to, I'm going to do a little bit of a hybrid of what you, what you said, I think, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to come up with this stock list of, and then again, this is just me talking back and forth. And I haven't really thought too much about it. I've got a, I've got a, a couple of weeks to to really like nail this down. But but maybe I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is come up with these this stock list of questions. I'm going to interview six or seven different people, and maybe the first episode is perspectives from six or seven different people. Right? It's it's those ten questions. But it's not like here are the ten questions that I ask you know grocery store Larry, and and it's a grocery store Larry episode. It's here's grocery store Larry, here's Larry's trade association, here's something from his supplier, and here's something from someone who works in the grocery store. And what, what all in like, the same episode. Yeah, but but it's snippets. It's not it's not like and and I what I what I don't know yet. So this is what I'm what I'm thinking is maybe maybe it's four or five people that I interview over the next couple of weeks and I listen to those interviews and I think almost like when I'm doing analysis of of interviews that we do in, in, you know, in, in, of consumers about what they're, what they think and how they, how they, you know, make decisions. I'm not looking at this as a data set, but I'm looking for the nuggets of, of insight and wisdom that helps me tell the story of what this is like for that. And so, so there might be something like, I don't know how much Larry there is in the episode until I, I look at all six of those interviews. And it's all, I'm, I guess I'm almost looking at this like a, like, like a science journalist and, and, and I want, and, but there's, there's narration from me of what I, what I see from these, from these interviews. And, and I don't know, that's, that, that's what I'm, that's where I'm at right now. Cause I think that, I, I think that, that, that gives a, a more, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see what I get out of these interviews because I'm, I'm definitely thinking exactly what you're, what you said is I need to talk to people and ask them some some things that are that are relatively standardized and qu and quick, right? Like like my interview with with Larry isn't going to be three hours. I need I need twenty minutes of his time to be like, tell me about the top three things that you've you've dealt with here. Mm -hmm. What are the big changes? And the, and those three changes might be realized when I talk to the person who works in a grocery store, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and and that that helps weave the story together. Here's what here's what someone's looking at here. Here are the questions they've asked me as a food safety person. And, and that's resulted in this in the grocery store or, or, and I, you know, even, even down to like local and state public health folks or, you know, front, frontline folks. Like I think that's the, that's the piece that I want to weave together. And I don't like, I like this, th and I, this is why I think some of these, these podcasts, like, I don't know, have you, and, and I, I think we've talked about this in the past, but there's one like this, I guess, like heavyweight that is, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's a really you know, it, the, the premise of the podcast is that people have things that have happened in their past that they want to revisit and he helps them revisit it. Whether it's like one of my favorite episodes was, was someone who didn't just like he went to high school with and she did not do well in math in high school. Now she was taking the, that, that issue around her math, like schooling was a was a challenge for her because she was now taking an exam to be a real estate agent where math was important and so she so the the episode sort of follows her 
like journey through getting a tutor and then following, you know, you know, talking a little bit about her history and past. And at the end, it was like, did she pass the exam? Yes or no. Right. And I won't spoil it for you. But but that that kind of like story is what I like. And so so anyway, what I'm what I'm realizing is telling that kind of story. They that, you know, they only release like 10 episodes a season and the season is, you know, maybe two seasons per year because doing that is a lot of work. Like it's not, it, you know, not that what we do is not a lot of work, but I think it's more intense because you might, you might spend, you know, two hours talking to someone and that results in a 40 second clip that's usable for the narration of the, of the story. So, so anyway, I w I'm going to try it. I want to try, I'm, I'm going to see, and it could be a miserable failure. I've got a reason to do it. You know, this is instead of putting together a lecture for, you know, for a class, now it's like, okay, the, the work that I would put into coming up with something new for a lecture, I'm going to put it into this, like, you know, weird little narrated podcast. And, and it like, I'm, I have no, like no delusions that this might be terrible. <laughs> like I'm okay with that, but it's going to push me into, like I have help with, with editing and maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be okay. I don't know. Yeah. It's not, so, it's not, I mean, I good, I, I, I good for you. It sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah, That's all no, I does. hear you talk about it and you get more, ex explain it more. And I, I, I just sounds like a lot of work, but I mean, go for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it does sound like a lot of work, but but also it's like kind of where my work is right now. Right. Exactly. Right? Like, well, like, yeah, and that, yeah. And that's, that's the key to doing good work is to figure out, well, it's what knowledge workers do. They first, they figure out what the work is and then they do the work and, and being an academic knowledge worker, you have some flexibility there. Like if this is going to be what your job is now, you get to define that right. As somebody who communicates and who is in food safety and nominally, you know, the food industry, you know, support this, this can be now your new job, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and I've got a little bit of like a, a cushion, right? Like maybe this isn't my new job, but I get to try it out and I've got some, I'm not doing it just on my own. Like that's the part that I think has been really like in the conversations with, with the technology folks that are like, yeah, you just give it literally, if you get us a bunch of audio and, and you, you tell us here are the types of things that you want us to find in that audio. Like you have some notes, we'll go find it and, and, and put it together. I'm like, okay. So I'm kind of, you know, I've got some, I got, I got some help to try to tell the story. And, and again, like maybe, maybe three weeks from now when this is all done, I'll be like, man, that was, that was terrible. Like the output wasn't good. And the process was way more work than I am willing to put into to it for the output. And I tried it and now I'm, now I'm going to go do something else that my, I'll make my work something else. Yeah. And you know, something that Merlin has talked about that, that I have not followed is like when you do a new podcast make a couple and just be prepared to burn them and, and i just haven't i just haven't done that i'm like well yeah you know like well it's kind of the philosophy with this podcast like the the difference between making it perfect and getting it out i'm going to err on the side of getting it out and and if i put out a few that are not great well it's okay right but again i he's he's obviously coming at it from a very different perspective than i am it is it is literally his his full-time job whereas i've got a full-time job of being a professor and this is something i do as part of my job and so if i put out a bad podcast it really doesn't uh it really doesn't matter so much and then also i think that nothing against our listeners but they're they're not here for the audio quality let's say <laughs> they know what they get they know yeah. what they're getting yeah yeah exactly. yeah. yeah there's we're not we're not we're not promoting anything that they're not getting yeah, yeah no <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're saying so anyway thanks for like indulging my my conversation there because i you know we we have 
historically done a lot of this back and forth. You know, we've got we have questions from journalists and what, what's your take on it? And so that I, I that was my like number one thing to talk to you about today on this was, all right, what you know, and you give and you've given me some some stuff that I hadn't thought about, and especially around this, you know, I state you know, like just asking these standard questions. You know, I, I, I was like, hey, I'm going to talk to these people, but I didn't really like I hadn't got to the point of like, what, the, what am I going to talk to them about? Well, and, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm, honestly with me, it, a lot of it is about efficiency, right? I'm, yeah. I'm really busy. I'm not I'm not good at giving up things that I don't want to do. And so if I'm going to add something new, how do I add what I'm doing and in the most efficient way possible so that I can actually get it done? Right. And not and not start yet another project that never quite gets finished. Right, right. And this is one where I have like the pressure of it has to be finished because it's in the course curriculum. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for, for, and for sure. that And that's the other unique aspect of this is that it is it is actually it is it is going to be in the curriculum. Right. And so and yeah. Yeah. And how, and how you fit. And that's, you know, it's kind of on, on the one hand, I have been very, very glad all of my career to not have teaching responsibilities. And I have avoided those because I would it would interfere with flexibility in terms of what I do but on the other hand if I was a teaching and research faculty member and I was faced with wanting to do or having to do an online class well first of all I would say if I was teaching research faculty I would be all over online classes I would I would already have been doing them I would have been leading them cuz I just I just think it's technology is really cool and fun and I like doing that stuff but but having to being forced to do online because of the coronavirus I'm sure that my mind would be like going with a, a million different ideas of how I could do this. And, and if, in fact, I did sort of do it to a certain extent when I taught the burn seminar for undergrads in terms of, you know, having them do uh, fill out Google Docs with Google surveys about everyday food safety questions and then talking with the class about the class. I mean, I enjoy doing that kind of stuff, but the problem is yeah. I just, I'm, I'm a hundred percent, 120% <laughs> occupied with doing teaching and or doing extension and research. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. And, and this is, I'm in the same, I'm in the same position. You know, it's, it's one of those things that you probably get the exact same thing when you meet somebody new who, who has a preconceived notion of what a, an academic professor does. Oh, it's right? what do Literally you teach? Like, what do you teach? What do you teach? Or, or, oh, are you, are you happy that the semester's over? Yeah. Is, oh, you know, yeah. So like, yeah. yeah, this, you know, oh, you know, if you, if you come across them in the summer, it's like, oh, it must be nice to not be, you know, not be teaching right now. Uh, it's like, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, so which, and, and you kind of like, you know, and we're, we're, we, you, you deal with this all, you know, sort of all the time and it's totally fine. It's like people don't really know what the job is. Right. Right. And, and, and the nuance of what you and I do, which is different from what, what our teaching colleagues do, which is different from maybe what some of our predominant, not predominantly, hundred percent research uh, folks do. And, and, and so all of these things like, you know, that it's one of the, those conversations that, you know, I don't, I don't want to make it a, a point of like, well, let me, let me educate you on the different types of academics. It's like, no, I, I actually don't do that. And then, you know, I, I do a lot of, you know, non-traditional teaching where I spend a lot of time working with the food industry and envi environmental health specialists and, and training cor courses and traveling all over the place. It's, it's, it's different. It's not, it's not any less busy or any more busy. It's just different, different groups and different, you know, different focus. And people are like, oh, okay, cool. So do you do that in the summer? I'm like, yep. Yeah, it, not, the semester being over doesn't really impact. Other than that, there's more places to park on campus. It doesn't really impact my my life too much. Yeah, parking um, is really good on my campus right now. Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt. I could park. I could park anywhere on my campus too. 
but but anyway, like this, the, it, it, you know, it's one of those one of those things where I, I will I, I, I feel very fortunate to parachute into a class, give a guest lecture. Don't think anything about the content other than, hey, I'm going to talk for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. Someone asked me for like, can you give me two exam questions? I'm like, okay, I don't know what I talked about, but let's talk, let's, uh, you know, ask something generic about it. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not constantly thinking about how this fits into what are the course objectives and, and what, what, what do I want my students to have at the end of this process that they didn't have at the start from a course standpoint. I think I'm thinking about that a lot when it comes to my graduate students and their experiences and their research and how they're doing extension you know, things, but this, yeah. So, so, you know, thanks to Rob for including me on this. Cause this gets me into a different type. And again, I, I get to like, in a very similar way, I get to parachute in and I get one week of, of this class and it's a totally different class. It's not like teaching people in a, in a, you know, an online, you know, uh, situation with, with 12 students or, you know, an undergraduate class with 30 students that are in person. I still don't have that experience, but, but this, this is something that's given me, you know, give me something to, to, to a reason to, to make something different. And, and I'm, yeah, I'm going to try it. And, and, and I'm very optimistic about it today. Tomorrow, when I get too far into this, I might be very pessimistic about how I'm actually going to be able to do it. But, but anyway, well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm two coffees in, Don, so I'm feeling good, and I've already <laughs> solved a, a hand washing emergency this morning. So, I mean, well, I it was can... really a porn emergency, to <laughs> what, be clear. What... I am saying that it's a hand washing emergency because that's what it was told to be. Yes. So anyway. Oh man, dude, there's lots going on, right? Like we got, there's food safety things. There's, I don't know if you saw this, but the, 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 the interface between food safety and social justice is happening where I don't know if you saw that, that apparently police officers are being poisoned by milkshakes and tampons in, in Starbucks coffees and, and glass and pizza. Have you seen that? You know about these things? I, I, we should talk about that. But first, because, and mostly just because I've had the, I have to keep moving like so, so for again, we should we should do a YouTube of this sometime. But basically, what we do during the show is Ben and I talk, and I have a Safari window open with a bunch of tabs. And each time we talk about something, I open a new Safari tab, and I have these four tabs that I've had open since the beginning of the episode. Oh, we got to come back. And and, yeah. and 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 but here's the thing: like I want them to be in the right order because it helps me to write the show notes. So the <laughs> so so let's please deal with these four tabs, so I don't have to keep putting uh, tabs in front of these four tabs. And so let's start with, well, let's start with, has my, has my episode, my episode, has my post gone up on Barf Blog yet? I think so. Okay. I so, think it's, yeah. So yeah, according to, I, I, I mentioned to you, I spoke with Doug this morning. Mm -hmm. He said that he, he has put it up. I'm looking right now. It is not up. So, right. so I will, <laughs> I will put it as soon as I will give you a show note link as soon as, as this soon as it's up. Uh, show yeah. is over. Cause I so, will post it up. Yeah. yeah. So there's. There's going to be a post on Bark Blog, and so and so again, the way that it usually starts, and and it, you know it, it goes in in cycles. But Doug will email me, and he'll say, "Hey, do you want to blog this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." But but and a lot of times I'm like, "Oh, I really do, but I don't have time." And now, I guess my because my day, it's weird. Like day, some days are really busy, some days are not. But I oh I just there seems to be I don't want to say this because I'm gonna it's gonna not be true as soon as I say it but it seems like there's more space in the day, or at least I I don't know what it is but anyway I knew I knew I, when I said to Doug I said I'm not gonna do this now, but I will do this by the end of the day and so and so there's a, a article in the New York Times called with the headline is FDA 
I still don't like the fact that they put periods after F and D and A. I just I I don't like that. It's it's also also COVID nineteen. COVID is capitalized. I stop not cap not not lowercase not lowercase capitals. Well, and and can we before we move on? When did when did we go from? When did we go from COVID, all the letters oh. being capitalized, to not capitalized? And because and, I know that the taxonomists are going to go crazy on this, but that's the the news. Like, I, I guess it's become the vernacular that's out there, right? Like, what what happened? How did well, that happen? Yeah, did I miss something? So, so, and it's COVID-19. It's not COVID. And it's COVID-19, all, cap is, all caps, which I get. And I guess COVID, cap C, otherwise lowercase is better than coronavirus because coronavirus is the organism and and there are coronaviruses that are not SARS-CoV-2 but anyway so anyway so anyway let's let's get on with the show um so FDA warns of potentially toxic hand sanitizer is the headline the warning applies to nine lines of hand sanitizer manufactured in Mexico that contain methanol or wood alcohol which can be dangerous so we'll link to the F- we'll link to the New York Times article we will there there is a there is a Washington Post article as well. It's let's, but we're not going to link to it because it's actually in the. It's really hard to find coronavirus things on the. I love the Washington Post; they're my favorite newspaper these days. But I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like the way that they have these stories because you can't actually link directly to the story. You have right, to link to it's the. Like a, it's like a, a whole running, a running feed. coronavirus feed. Yeah. So, so we'll link. We'll link to the article, this article, and then we'll link to the FDA page. But let me get up my blog post, which, of course, I wrote in draft. So, so yeah, I thought this was really interesting. So, and again, it, you don't have to read the BART blog post now because I'm basically going to tell it to you. But I, I had no idea that you, you shouldn't use methanol as a hand sanitizer, right? I knew, I knew, I know you shouldn't, you shouldn't drink methanol. You shouldn't drink isopropyl alcohol, right? You should drink, and you can you can drink ethanol in moderation, right? But but that was fascinating to me was that that apparently isopropyl alcohol is is okay to put on your hands, ethanol's okay to put on your hands, but not methanol. And then, and 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 again, you do a little bit of digging, and you can read Wikipedia, and you can link to things. And so the, I, I in the blog post I link to the three. Wikipedia pages on methanol, ethanol, and isopropyl alcohol. And then in those, in those Wikipedia pages, all three include information from NIOSH, right? And NIOSH is the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, and they give toxicology data. And I'm not a toxicologist, right? But I can kind of, you know, read the literature and understand a little bit about what they do. The tox data for methanol from NIOSH does give a recommended exposure limit for the skin. Now, there's also recommended exposure limits for the other two, but not for the skin. And the, and the warning for the skin is different than the other warnings, right? But, but also on the Wikipedia page for isopropyl and for ethanol, those, both those pages mention that they, they can be skin irritants, right? And so it's, 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 quite, it's quite weird. And so then I'm like, okay, well now, all right, there has to be a scientific article that explains the differences, right? And so I, did, I spent a fair bit of time. The whole, the, whole, the, whole, the, the post is rather short, but it took me an hour, right? An hour to read, to think, to go research. And I spent a fair bit of that hour looking on Google Scholar, trying to understand alcohol toxicity as it relates to the skin, 
right? And I was hoping I would find this perfect paper that would right. lay out, okay, here's methanol, ethanol, isopropyl alcohol, we, we exposed the skin, we measured blah, 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 something, 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 right? I could not find it. Now, there is a really interesting article on which we will we will link to it, which basically it, it's I'll, I'll, let me let me get it up uh, so I can read from it. But it's really quite it's really quite interesting. And basically, it's it's a it's a, a single subject study, right? And it's it's from the the journal Occupational Medicine. And the title of the article is "A Case of Percutaneous Industrial Methanol Toxicity," right? And this is something that happened in the Saudi port of Dubai, okay? And there was an individual who had to uh, clean out uh, a tank, okay? And he wore a, a positive pressure breathing apparatus, right? Because So he didn't breathe in the methanol fumes, okay? But no protective clothing. He worked for two to three hours in this tank, which apparently contained methanol, okay? And then he worked on the deck. And so basically, but what he did while he was, he was wearing a breathing apparatus, but while he was in the tank, his clothing became soaked with methanol, okay? So he worked on the deck, methanol-soaked clothing, and then, and then basically because he's outside and it's Saudi Arabia, the methanol's evaporating, and then his clothes dry out, okay? But then he began to, eight hours later, he began to have symptoms of acute methanol toxicity, Okay, and so the, the treatment, the treatment apparently is to give the person ethanol, okay, because <laughs> I, there must be something about receptors and, and whatnot. So you give the person ethanol, they took this guy to the hospital, and he recovered completely, okay? So, so again, we, there, we are, there are plenty of examples, and, this, and you found this in, in, in Google Scholar, right? There are plenty yep. of examples of people who, who ingest, who drink methanol, and who experience some rather severe and significant toxic effects, which are, which are certainly bad news. But this was the only like, occupational case that I saw. And here's a guy who recovered fully, who basically doused himself and his clothing in methanol, and, you know, and so... It just put it gets me back to scratching my head about toxicity, but so right, right so so but anyway, so so and this may be a, a regulatory thing rather than anything else, right? And then again, I would I, you know read the New York Times, right? Uh, read the New York Times article, the 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 quote from the company representative. Oh my gosh, he blames the, the broker who had access to our company, and who and who shipped sanitizer. So. Like, I don't, uh, there's something weird going on with that, right? Like, it's like, it wasn't me. It was some guy who had access to our company. Huh? What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Right, exactly. So, yeah. So it was, it's all in all, it's a very, it's a very, the story's great. I mean, read, read the story. Christopher Melle's great. I, in the, in the blog post, I said, he interviewed me about the five second rule. He's a, he's a really good interviewer. He also called me later when he did a story about whether you should take your shoes off in the house. Right. So he's a good writer. He's nominally, you know, in the, works in this health science you know, beat right, and 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 is a is a good is a good journalist, and certainly it's nice that I recognize him now and and can find his stories. And he writes a lot of stories for the New York Times, so good guy. But the whole thing is really weird. Like, why? I, I was I was expecting to find some definitive thing that says, oh yes, and here's why. And we, you know, I know enough chemistry to know, right? Methanol. Uh, is one carbon, ethanol is two, and isopropyl is three, right? So, so maybe there's something about the fact that it's a single carbon compound. Maybe it has greater permeability of the skin. The skin is more more permeable to methanol, so if you apply it, more of it gets in. But it doesn't really seem like it's significantly more toxic, 
right? And yeah, so, right, right. but I couldn't find anything that really definitively nails this, despite, and again, I admit I didn't spend the whole day looking. I spent, you know, the better part of an hour looking. But the whole thing was really quite interesting. So, bo- bottom line is, I guess, like, don't buy. Uh, well, and the other thing too is, I guess maybe FDA could have got them because of the the label, right? I think the and again, I was hoping FDA would give us some product labels, which they sometimes do in the case of recalls. I could not find any any product labels. So basically, FDA tested samples and found eighty one percent methanol and no ethanol, and then the other compound they they had twenty eight percent methanol and unknown amount of ethanol, right? And so. I guess you could, you could, so apparently you're not allowed to use methanol in hand sanitizer, okay? And then second, you, 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 yes, you can't use it. And so obviously if you put it, if you use methanol instead of ethanol, then that's bad. And so maybe, again, so now I'm thinking about this a little bit more. Maybe what happened was there was an ethanol shortage, which as we know, because of the, 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 the surge capacity, surge demand for ethanol based hand sanitizer or alcohol based hand sanitizer, someone said, oh, well, we could use methanol, right? It's not it's not ethanol or isopropyl alcohol, but it is an alcohol. Let's just use methanol, right? And so so I, I get I get I get that FDA could ding these guys for not following the label. I'm not really sure this is a I guess where I'm netting out with all this. This I'm not really sure this is a public health risk. But obviously, if you have this product, you shouldn't use it. You should return it and get your money back. But the, I don't know, the whole thing, there were just some things in this that just didn't add up for me. So anyway, I've talked for a while. Do you have any perspective on this? Yeah. And I guess like, so, so let's, let's think about our situation with hand sanitizer right now and how it's different for lots of reasons than it was, you know, six months ago. And, and I wonder if the repeated use, you know, say all I did was buy, I bought a case of this and I'm using it 30 times a day. My exposure level is, is much higher, right? Because of that now I, I, so, so I wonder if that's the, if that's the public health risk, right? Like we just don't know how, how people are using it and yeah, but, but I agree. So I, anyway, I just posted the barf blog um, post on this and I think the uh, it's, I'm waiting for it to load, but I think the title is using methanol as hand sanitizer is not a good idea, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I think it's really like, you, you know, you highlighted all the, I, I think the, the, the cool parts about this story or interesting parts, like, first of all, crazy quote from the, from the company that, that distributes this, like, what are you doing to make sure that there's not other things that are in your, in your sanitizer that could lead to illnesses. And you don't seem to have a lot of control over what's happening, but, but good, but good for you for sort of running through and trying to find examples, right? Like, I think that's, that's one of the things that has become really clear over the last little while for me is it's, it's important that we talked through not just the theoretical risk, but can we find an actual example of this leading to, to illness? And and the, the quick answer is yes, but not in the way that we would see this sanitizer being used in you know generally, unless you're like having this long term like, you know, exposed to a lot of it. That's that's the that's the example that we have, you know, that, that's out there. Maybe someone from FDA, because we know that folks from FDA listen to us. That's F period dot period d no period (laughs) dot d period dot 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 period i don't know what i just said uh maybe someone else has some insight i don't know how many uh cedar folks uh listen to us yeah well and so i did you know and i should have done this i guess i you know your your blog post that you mentioned did did sort of 
spark a search uh, query for me. And of course, there's there's search pollution because you have to you basically have to tell Google, don't give me any web pages that let talk about methanol and hand sanitizer and and FDA, right? So take FDA out. And there is an article published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health, and the title is Methanol as an Unlisted Ingredient in Supposedly Alcohol-Based Hand Rub Can Pose Serious Health Risk, okay? And so we'll link to this article. Let's see. Yeah, mostly, though, it's about, about people drinking it. Don't drink it. So don't, don't drink the but, but don't, but don't. But don't drink... Well, and if but, it's an undeclared ingredient, right? Like, don't don't drink don't drink hand sanitizer. Period. Okay. If you're going to drink hand sanitizer, I guess drink the kind with ethanol. You know, I, so I, I get. I guess I get. I get why this is a problem. But yeah, it's weird. The whole thing. Well, really and weird. and yeah, and I, you know, we. I'm I'm sure with a little bit of googling here, we can find many examples of hand sanitizer being. St- you know, stolen and and from hospitals and consumed or consumed, especially for individuals who are alcohol dependent and are are you know are not able to to get alcohol in other ways. So so I I see that right like that that that's the that that's you know probably not great anyway. But the drinking ethanol based hand sanitizer is less risky than drinking methanol based hand sanitizer, right? Like I right. think we can. We can arrive at that. Right. And yeah, and actually, you know what? Now that I'm reading this this article, I, I should probably modify my blog post because this does kind of give us a nice punchline. So there is, this is a very weird and short article. It has a single table, which has three lines with countries and dates and then details. And basically, two people died in Canada after drinking a hand san after ingesting a hand sanitizer containing methanol, an undeclared ingredient, USA 2014. Uh, a 42-year-old man died after ingesting a hand sanitizer containing methanol and ethanol. And then Hong Kong 2016, a 29-year-old man required hemodialysis and IV ethanol infusion after ingesting a hand sanitizer containing methanol, undeclared 22%. Okay? So, yeah. So I guess I guess it, the reason why is that it's... But see, I still don't understand why you can't use it and declare it, Right. Although it does, yeah, so, so there's a literature search in the article. There's a literature search to identify relevant reports of methanol toxicity. But again, it needs to, the, the, it's via the skin, right? But maybe, maybe that's, the, that's the nuance that we're missing. It's not, it's not via the skin that, that FDA is worried about. It's that people are drinking it. Well, then why, why, do, we make, why do we allow hand sanitizer with isopropyl? Yeah, true, true. Okay, right? I'll, I'll, uh, that's that's I, I, so something. There's a there's a. It, I keep keep trying to find different ways to kind of line it up to make sense, and it doesn't it it, it doesn't make sense from all the different perspectives. Yeah. Well, um, maybe we'll maybe we'll hear more. But I appreciate you post or you writing that, and it is now posted, and I'll send you the link, okay. and we can update and update it. And we, okay, cool. Yeah, we can. That's the beauty of the internet, is that we can huh, always you update can fix things. stuff. You just fix oh, stuff and, and change it. I, I, I do. I have one more uh, point, uh, and I will call this out in my blog post as well. This article is published by MDPI. MDPI. Which is a quasi-predatory? I would say um, pretty pretty close. I mean, is there, can you, is it like, can you be quasi-pregnant? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but I think you can, you can have questionable practices and, and let's let's just say MDPI has been on Beale's list, which is no more. So th- there are there are some things to suggest that if you have a choice, don't publish something in an MDPI journal. I think I might have published something recently in an MDPI journal because 
we just needed to get it published somewhere. So yeah, there was like, yeah, not a lot of choice. Yeah. Cool. Hey, so I got some real time follow up. I was, I I was, I did, I did two things while you, while you told your story. One is I posted your, your blog post. Two is I received a text from my wife. (laughs) Actually, I received a call first and I said, I will, I will read you our, our, our discourse, which is she calls and I just respond recording a podcast because she knows what that means. Mm -hmm. And she says, he's got a tick in his ear. Oh, crap. Oh, so my response is, oh gosh, how will they get it out? Oh no. And she goes, yes, they're calling an ENT doctor. And I said, do you need me to come? She said, no, they're just calling to see who has an opening. And I said, glad we took him. No wonder he was in so much pain last night at three o'clock in the morning. It is not just your run of the mill, you know, ear infection. It is an actual tick. And then Sam sent me, he is now sending me stickers of emojis of a dinosaur with its head exploding. And he is referring to himself as Tick Man now. So I sent him a picture of uh, Marvel's The Tick. The Tick, yes, yes, uh, exactly. Yep. So, so, so that's where that's where we are on things. So hopefully this tick does not lead to uh, irreparable damage to his ear. But oh God. yeah, well, know, and, 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 I, and they need to test it for Lyme disease now too, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. So he's there, there. We got lots of you know, and we we have lots of ticks. In, mm. Mm-hmm. In North Carolina, this is like a thing. We we live in a wooded area yep. with lots of ticks. Yep. So yeah. So so hopefully this you know things go go all right. We. Jeez, we, I'm so sorry. That sounds hey, horrible. That's what you know, it's what happens with uh, with kids, right? You, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I my mine are mine are grown, but yeah, the, and then hopefully through the through the getting ticks in your ears phase. But oh, my, my <laughs> older my old my younger son does like to go. So they were they're both. The, I've told the story before that we were all we we're all active in the Boy Scouts, and they they went camping a lot as Boy Scouts. My younger son still goes bike packing. He's really into riding his his bicycle, and and then they go bike bike packing, which is backpacking with a bicycle. And yeah, I don't know. I guess they probably have ticks in Colorado, so yeah, he's probably at risk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, prob- probably. So anyway, oh. tick on the ear. Uh, Jeez. Oh, uh, so okay. So what was we? Was there something else that we? We you had that? You are there? There's still you had four tabs open. Was that just? Yeah, one was one was one? the same tab twice, and and okay. one one was the Washington Post, which we're not going to link to. So I I took care of all my tabs. Okay, so now we've got there are two two other things that that I know we want to talk about. So let's let's talk about these uh, food poisoning things first. Sure. So so there's you know there, there's there's tons going on. We talked in the last episode about some of the things that 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 we're in my group we're trying to do with you know social justice and there there's just a lot of like you know police and people issues and I the, I say that in a like a you know, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, you know, with, you know, social, you know, racial uh, profiling and, and police uh, violence. Okay. So the crossover to our world on this, that is very food safety is that now there's been like three cases of, of people saying, Hey, as a police officer or as someone in the national guard, I've been targeted through food for you know illness or injury and so there there was this shake shack issue and i say issue in 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 air quotes a milkshake poisoning scandal that, that has been referred to there's glass in pizza and then yesterday there was uh, something around a police officer finding a you know what what he believed was a tampon in his in his iced coffee and then the other one the one that i really like is that the female and maybe she was a police officer maybe not was very upset because it took it took it took 
took the food took too long at McDonald's, oh, and so she was afraid that it had been tampered with because it took too long. Yeah. So, <laughs> so all these things are happening, and and this is what I wanted to highlight. It, as we hear these conversations, each one or the, the discussions, it comes out as really alarmist. And then, you know, for, through further investigation, turns out it's it's not really what what people think it is. And the milkshake poisoning one was a really good one because we've talked yeah. about c cleaning and sanitizing compounds in food service. And and most like, I guess, pertinent to me was a an sort of you know a tragic situation that happened at, I think it was Buffalo Wild Wings back in the fall. We talked about it in a previous mm -hmm. episode where some sanitizers were mixed uh, in, in a restaurant and a manager ended up dying because of the uh, chemicals that were uh, created that, that happens when you when you mix uh, chlorine and, and, and ammonia sanitizers together. And, and so... I, you know, the milkshake one was the first one that I, that I saw. And, and we, we spent a lot of time, uh, talking, you know, creating operating procedures and talking with folks in the food, food service industry about how do you, how do you train people to make sure that they don't mix up chemicals or they don't, that, that if, if there's a sanitizer that's, that's on or in like a milkshake machine, how do you, how do you ensure that it's been rinsed uh, properly? And, and so the, to me, this is like, we follow this stuff all the time. I can find multiple examples of something like what happened at Shake Shop or Shake Shake Shack happening. And but in our in our current situation of like heightened focus, uh, a lot of conclusions get get jumped to. But but I guess what I wanted all I wanted to like talk about was there are lots of cases over and over again of chemical and physical contamination happening accidentally or or just because like accidentally or because people are not paying attention, which I guess is an accident as well. But but also leads you know to me to uh, try to understand more about what the what the breakdown is. And so so not, you know, th this is high, you know, it, it, it is seeped into the world of food safety, you know, all these these uh, these situations. And and I guess my as I read it, it was like, yeah, this isn't this this doesn't look like it's targeting these ty these types of things are probably happening all the time. You know, we we eat billions of meals a year. There's there there are some you know slip ups in in chemicals, and it's a problem. Like it, not not to say it's not a problem, but it's not targeting. Probably yeah, likely. yeah. Like, well, exactly. So we once so my wife likes uh, sweeter wines, and we once got a uh, blueberry New Jersey blueberry wine that tasted like sanitizer. And I'm like, well, this is not right. And so I reached out to my buddy Gary Pavlis, who's a county agent in. Mm, Atlantic County, uh, who's a small fruit agent and, and works with the, with the wine, uh, wine growers. And I said, Hey, I sent, can I send this to you? Can you get word back to the company that, that they, they screwed up and he, and I sent it to him and he did. So yeah, was it, were we being targeted? Probably not. We, we picked it off the shelf of a grocery store or a liquor store. So probably we weren't being targeted, but yeah, the, like, I mean, Oh, Oh, we have to, we have, this is a really, this will be a really nice segue to Brazil, right? So we should yes. definitely segue to Brazil here. So again, not to, not to, to say this is, 
this is bad, right? Like, like stuff like this shouldn't happen, but it does happen. And sometimes actually it can have really catastrophic consequences. And we've been, we've been following for a number of episodes now, an ongoing situation with a beer in Brazil where people died. And we got a most recent update from our, one of our, one of our many Brazilian listeners. There's at least two people in Brazil that listen. Very big least, in Brazil, Don. Very, very big, big in Brazil. <laughs> and so we should talk about that next, but, but yeah, I mean, it's this, this is a thing that happens. This is why we have training. This is why we have procedures and it's, it's bad and we need to like, it's, it shouldn't happen, but it does. And we just need to fix it and move forward. Right, right, right. Do you want to talk, do you want to talk about the, like read the particulars from the, our friend in Brazil? Yeah. Can you do that? Or do you want me to? Yeah. Do you know I could do it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is, it's actually really, really cool that we, that we got this, this follow-up. And so I think we, I, I can't remember what we've called our, our friend in the, in the past, but I think it's like deep, deep brewery or deep, uh, deep ca- caparina. Caprinha. Did I say that? Did I pronounce that correctly? Good enough for me. Caprinha. Cap- Cap- I think you're thinking of Chascaria. Yes, I am. I, I, I'm thinking of Chascaria. Okay, so hi. I'm sure you're sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for this outcome. Well, your wait is over. There were several problems in the plant. They were receiving a new tank every 20 days for a couple of years, which near, which is nearly unheard of for growth of a brewery, especially in Brazil. At least one of the tanks that came in had a relatively large hole in the interior wall. The tank is a quote is quote new and most certainly cheaper model of a standard fermentation vessel, which doesn't have an interior pipe between the double wall for refrigerant. And again, if we think back to our conversations in the past, that was exactly kind of where Deep Caprina was was looking at at this at this mystery. This tank double wall simply fills up with refrigerant. The investigation filled filled it with pink fluid and took a picture of this pink liquid shooting out into the center of the tank. When the tank is fermenting and under pressure, the coolant is certainly seeping out or seeping in, but at minimal levels. Once canning or bottling starts, the pressure begins to drop. And once the remaining product is is in, just the just the cone at the bottom toxin gets more and more concentrated. I spoke to several several other brewers. They're all dumbfounded at the problems that were encountered and that they were brought into the plant by the directors themselves. No one else in the state uses diethylene glycol. And even then, they use blue dye in that system that would have been detected with even the cursory glance at, pack, at packing time. I didn't see anything about the problems with the counterflow chiller uh, in the police report, but other brewers said that th- they had firsthand knowledge that this was also a con- another contamination vector, probably because they were using blue, blue dye in their diethylene glycol. The company stopped a, this is kind of the, the, you know, the, I guess the end of the story, but gets kind of, kind of terrible for the people that got sick. The company stopped into the only victim of 38 that they had started helping. It is all turned into a legal game. I swear they think this is going to keep, keep going with the business. And then my, my favorite part, and I'll, I'll add to this in a second, Brazilian memory tends to be short. So I guess there is a chance. Any, that's how the food safety part ends. Anyway, that's how the food safety part ends. And that was from deep uh, Caprina. And, and I'll add that, that I think, not only Brazilian memory tends to be short. I think that that you and I have talked about this happening in lots of other places in certain cases, and I don't think we can always predict why memory is short. And in other cases, you know, industries get kind of uh, a stigma for food safety issues over time, and and those almost never go away. And and I'll I'll put my like 
I, I don't know, brief psychology and communication insight into this. I wonder that because beer is is not one of the, you know, nutritional staples, but is something that we drink for recreation is if that we we have sort of uh, rose colored glasses on when it comes to, to beer. And it's like, ah, it should be. It's all fine. I mean, I really like beer, so I will continue to drink it from this brewery or, or whatever. So so anyway, good. Thank you for for that for that follow up from uh, Deep Caprina, because because we had been talking about this this issue and 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 maybe we can we will link to the original article that that went over sort of this issue where where police had been um, investigating these these illnesses and and it went from you know a, a handful of illnesses to 20 to 38 and it's you know it kind of it's kind of terrible that you know a situation like this that that again similar to the sanitizer it is an accident but it's also an accident that that if if we focus on best practices probably doesn't happen that but but if it does happen you really have to take care of your victims in the end yeah and we'll link to episode uh, 208 um entitled poopers on the fritz where we we i think we were a couple episodes where we talked about this but i think that's the most recent one where we talked about the contaminated brazilian beer and there's a there's a link to an article from international beverage news from munich about the four people dying in brazil and there's also a link to an article that's in portuguese yep yep cool 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 so so there's some other like, I guess two two things that I wanted to talk about. Well, three I guess that that are happening. Do we have Do you have time? What's your Yeah, what, I'm you, good. I, I got nothing going on till one o'clock. I've got to do a dog walk, but I got nothing going on till one o'clock. I got to be on a webinar, but I just have to listen. Okay, cool, 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 cool. I I have a phone call at eleven, but I could be a, a few minutes late to that. Ooh. Yeah, but we're good. We're good. We we're we're going. Okay. So and the, my these are my my last my last three mm-hmm. things, and unless you have something else, so. Pew Charitable Trusts, a uh, group that you and I both know, mm-hmm. and we know um, a couple of individuals um, who are who are there, uh, Karen Holzer and uh, Sandy Eskin. They, Karen published a, a blog post uh, last week about an area that you and I have talked quite a bit about, and that's food deliveries. And mm-hmm. and Pew, so so I'll, I'll highlight a couple of things from from this article. So the the article is entitled "Rapid Growth in Food Deliveries Means Regulators Must Clarify Safety Responsibilities," and and so I'll ask you for your insight on on this from the Conference for Food Protection Committee that you co-chaired, I think that was on this, and we've talked a little bit about it in the past, but but you know so so. Here, here are a couple of things that, that Karen highlights. The safety risks of direct-to-consumer food deliveries. In many cases, services that deliver food to customers involve entities that have not traditionally been focused on or trained in food safety, such as shipping companies or delivery drivers. Without appropriate precautions, this can cause problems. So Karen talks about temperature and a study from Bill Hallman and you that was linked to in the article that says a 2017 study of 169 home food delivery meal kits found that nearly half of the food items in the kits were not at appropriate temperatures when they arrived. In addition, their packaging and labeling were often inadequate. And, and so the packaging, you know, protecting from contamination. And for me, the labeling, and I think that this is what you guys really highlighted, was just like, what do I do with this piece of meat and how do I handle it? You know, what what is what does it look like? What what are we communicating to to consumers about it? And, and so, so she really uh, talks about who's responsible is often unclear. It's this interface between state, local, and federal agencies. In some cases, it might be the food code that gets applied. In other cases, it might be you know, state agencies that are applying FDA regulations around transport. 
and and so so what Pew kind of calls out and and, and they, they give three sort of big bullets which I like clarify who's liable for food safety issues that can arise at different stages of the delivery process and I would I would highlight liable might not be the the right word that I would use it's really who's responsible for it but that's that's me and I don't want to edit someone else's work I, although I just did but number you know, second bullet is provide guidance to the industry on how to use technology to address food safety ca uh, challenges data recording devices for instance and then re revise regulatory frameworks to clarify who's responsible for oversight for all parts of the delivery um, process and so she she also goes through a whole bunch of work you know ideas on um, what businesses can do and I think there's some really good uh, things in here required delivery companies to follow strong food safety practices and so I, you know I think applying some level of regulation looking at packaging and and you know inspecting packaging for signs of damage before shipping you know have consumers schedule deliveries and and anyway so this is good I I I, I talked with our friend Eric Moore. Um, about this article yesterday, and and the why I wanted to talk to you about it is I think that what I'm this will sound so like missing the the obvious you know elephant in the room, but what I'm where I'm really realizing things are going to the new abnormal for us on this is is that you know it's not like DoorDash and and, and Blue Apron and and uh, HelloFresh and all all the you know different delivery groups are are. Are, are we're not in a time frame where people are increasing this because of COVID-19 concerns and they're going to go away from this. I think we're really moving to, uh, you know, the, the, our current situation has pushed this, that this is part of our new normal, right? Is more delivery, more meal kits, more, more curbside pickup, more ghost kitchens, which we talked about in the past, more dark uh, stores, and, and you know those are store retail stores that are that people don't go into that are just for delivery. So and and more you know, different types of communication for for consumers. And so so I really hadn't thought about it in that context that that we don't really have a good sense of how this is changing food safety risks in the home, and and if it is. And I think we need to look at that. Like, I, you know, I, I think about our you know, the proposal that we put together for food net. The adjacent to that is how does the supply chain change the food safety issues? Not not just about like what does COVID nine how do COVID nineteen risks change with the food supply, but how do other traditional foodborne pathogens change risks around those change with this with this shift? Because I because I don't think it's going away. So I so so I think we need I actually think that that we need to do another adjacent project on that understanding more about this. And I know you've done you you've already gotten into the regulatory piece and thinking about risks, but I but I think that there is uh, like an opportunity and space for us to understand more about what, how to manage these risks, how to communicate these risks and what consumers can do and what the industry can do. It's, it's more. So, so anyway, that's, that's what I wanted to lay out for you. Yeah. And just one correction. And I just, while you were talking, I emailed Karen and it's not, it's not really her fault. We did not study meal kits. Okay. We studied. So, so think uh, as right. I wrote to Karen, think Omaha steaks, not blue apron, right? We, we, these were, these were meat, poultry and fish items that we ordered from a variety of vendors. Right. So, but they were not meal kits per se. And again, Karen gets it wrong because we haven't published a peer reviewed paper and uh, the article in food safety news gets it wrong and calls it meal kits as well. 
So uh, yeah. So so anyway, we've we've spoken to them about fixing that article, but they and they took they did they did have a picture of a blue apron and they changed it for a picture of a crashed FedEx truck instead, which I guess is good. But um, it's, it's still the the text is still not correct. So yeah, I mean, it, and, and it's, uh, this is an ongoing area. I think my big concern is it's not really clear. Like so, and there's two issues, right? There's one. There's food sent through the mail or through third party delivery services, and then there's foods that are being brought to your house by Instacart or Grubhub, right? And so, for example, if I'm a pizza place, I'm Domino's Pizza, and my Domino's Pizza driver drives the pizza to your house, well, that that person, that driver of Domino's, is regulated by the food code. If, if somebody who's working for Grubhub picks up a pizza and brings it to your house, that person is not regulated by the food code because they're not an employee of the food establishment, right? And then, and then, with respect to the the meal kits or or you know mail order foods, for lack of a better term, once that food goes in, so the the establishment where the food is being prepared and packaged, that is regulated, right? And it's regulated by FDA or USDA or local public health. But once it goes into the package, it's not clear that anybody regulates it, right? And then right, and right. then it, and it gets shipped by whatever means, and then it gets to your house, and then it's really so. Again, a lot of that is is in a lot of the guidance that we developed as part of the CFP document, which we will will link to a page that that sh- will show it. A lot of that is really focused on well, what advice do you give to the consumer? How do you manage that in terms of you know the delivery? You know, wh- what's the time of year? Like this time of year, it's worse, right? Because it's hotter. Where is it? Co- going from where is it going to what do we know about the chain you know and it's not really a chill chain it's really a hot hot chain what do we know about the the transportation chain and and how are we going to manage all that and then we deal with signature release and attended delivery and actually bill bill and i did a really nice webinar recently for afto on on this topic and we'll link to that if we can as well yeah and and so i i think we you know we we've dabbled around this space not and i say that you know like you, you've actually done some research in this space. I, I've been talking about it. I well, think we, I, d- by done, you mean not yet published. Yes. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But but even, you know, I think you talked a little bit on, on a previous podcast about some consulting you did for a delivery company. Oh, on so, trap, still, tra- still, still yeah. on, ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah ongoing. So so like there's stuff we're, we're close to this. I think I and, and again, this is what kind of smacked me in the face is like, you know, this is a this is a COVID-19 adjacent issue. This is not a. Hey, delivery is really interesting. Like, like we're there. We are are only going to see more of this. I and I'll talk from like a n equals one personal anecdote. I, I am going to be. I, I enjoy takeout. I it's not something that we did a lot of before, but now I'm really like, hey, this is something that I I, I think I'm going to not spend as much time. I'm going to spend my dollars on restaurant food, but I'm going to spend less time in restaurants. As, yeah. as we go forward. And, and again, so, so that's me. So everybody must be doing that. No, but I think that there's, there are like uh, the rise of all of the, you know, these business opportunities that are, that are out there. I think we, it gives us something to focus on. And so, so anyway, I think we, I'm going to talk, I, we, we should talk, we should, we, we, you know, we should talk on the podcast and elsewhere about doing a bit about actually like finding some, some way to answer some of these questions and, and help moving this, move this forward. Cause I think Karen, Karen highlights like a lot of like, and, and I thought about this, I was like, oh, Pew's got interest in this. Maybe we should call Pew to say, how can we, how, how can we create some partnership to move forward and, and try to like understand this more? So cool. So, so anyway, that's, that, that was one, one thing. One other thing that I wanted to highlight is you and I 
probably have been doing a little bit of media over the last little while about Beijing and salmon and frozen foods. And so, so I, I want to highlight something that the uh, I've talked about this publication as a place that I really like, The Counter. And uh, The Counter, oh gosh, Claire Brown, H. Claire Brown interviewed me yesterday about this, this sort of growing issue around COVID-19 and exports and, and specifically Chinese importers testing foods and food packaging from specific meat and poultry processors from the U.S. for gas, SARS-CoV-2, or like looking, I don't, like, I don't, there's not a lot of details on it. And so, so, you know, th this all kind of came out of this uh, cluster of illnesses that were linked to a Beijing food market that, you know, sort of like not a lot of information, lot, you know, a little bit of discussion saying the public health authorities found a nucleic acid that matched, which you know, it's a nice, you know, nice, nice way to to write this nucleic acid that matched the uh, SARS-CoV-2 genome on a cutting board in this uh, market that was used to cut up frozen salmon. And so, food is an issue, so we should really start looking there. And that's being pointed to as a, as a reason why companies are are testing their you know these in incoming products. And so, what I talked to Claire about was was basically. I, I don't I, I don't think it's a good use of resources from a public health standpoint, but I can certainly see where people are going to use this this pandemic and, and clusters of illnesses at processing plants as non-tariff trade barriers because lots of countries use food safety and public health issues for non-tariff trade barriers all the time. The World Trade Organization has a huge history of disputes that have gone there because of this. And and I think this is one of them. I, I and so so you know, she so kind of asked me, you know, do you think that this is like, do you do I have any concerns? And I don't about it for all the reasons that we've talked about in you know, see previous podcasts over the last three months about food. But do I think that it's a good use of resources? It depends what your objective is. If it is to close imports and protect your your country's production, then maybe it is a good use of resources. If it's to limit the exposure of consumers to SARS-CoV-2, then I don't think it's good resource uh, use of resources. So it's you know, I, and I think like what I think we're only going to see more of this. We're only going to have more questions about it. And 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 again, it's it, it's a I so my last and I'll, I'll quote you know I'll I'll read my own quote on this. I said, I, and this is the last thing she wrote in the article, which is always fun to get the last quote. I understand knee-jerk approaches because we're trying to do what we can, but we also have to make sure that they're risk-based and the best use of our limited resources. And I, you know, again, my objective of public health, I don't think this is the best use of our limited resources. So what are your thoughts? Well, I'm just Googling knee-jerk approaches Chapman, and uh, the first um, hit is uh, Chapman's Comprehensive Orthopedic Surgery, a five-volume set. Knee-jerk <laughs> knee knee reactions. <laughs> Uh, but uh, please do send me a link. No, I think you're, I think you're I think you're spot on, right? I think you're absolutely spot on. Like this is not a food safety issue. It's a it's a public health issue. It shouldn't be. We shouldn't have to shut down uh, salmon imports. Should we test? Yeah, sure. We should test the hell out of the people in that market. I'm I'm not so worried. I mean, maybe the cutting boards are interesting because they're a source of cross contamination. But I think that's much more likely that they are just the recipient of 
uh, contamination from workers who are a source to each other, right? Yeah. One, one worker exhales it, another worker inhales it, sick workers exhale it, it goes onto the cutting board. I think that's the direction of transfer. I don't think, I don't think the, the cutting boards are a source of anything. I think they're, they're a sink, right? And so, but of course we won't know unless we do more tests. So I'm, I'm all in favor of testing. I think testing, testing workers is a great idea. I'm not sure testing food or food contact surfaces is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. No, ab- absolutely. It's, it is, yeah, it, we're, we're like, I guess my, you know, my, my, my parting thought on this is this is only going to go, this is not going away, right? Like we're, there will be other countries that are going to look at this. We are going to continue to look at, um, at this, at this issue. I did a, another, um, interview last night by email for the, gosh, I think it was the China morning post, I think it's mm-hmm. called. Yep. And let me find that because I, I got a really good question about so, uh, South China morning post. And so the question, and I don't think this article has been published yet, but we'll maybe we'll link to it or, or we'll talk about it in the next one. I, she, you know, the journalist Simone asked me about should research continue to happen in the area of food to, to either confirm or rule this out? And I, was, and I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think over the next 18 months or so, the food safety community should really be able to answer these questions with additional data and research. The caveat to that is we really need to collectively also focus on reducing person-to-person transmission as much as we can. So food isn't and shouldn't be our immediate focus. But but over time, I, you know, I, I think we're going to need to generate data around this. And, you know, you know, full disclosure, and we've talked about this, this is something that I hope that you and I do together with with other colleagues, including Michelle Daniluk and Byron Chavez, as, as we go forward. With, with some of our ideas to look at transfer and inactivation and persistence of the, of the virus in food settings. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so and let's let's just close it up with one more thing, okay? Which is also in keeping with our COVID nineteen and also our international focus. Ben, what are your thoughts on Russians who like to wear gloves while they eat their burgers? Oh my gosh, this is crazy. So you and I both got interviewed, and I didn't want to highlight this, but I didn't get a quote at all. I, I wasn't going to mention it, but since you brought it up, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up. So I so you and I talked to a journalist uh, from the New York Times, Alexi, I believe is. Yeah, Anton. Sorry, I don't know why that was that was extremely that was like Rus- Russianist, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Anton. And Anton asked me some questions uh, and asked you questions about whether you had heard about restaurants. If it was commonplace here in the U.S. for restaurants who serve burgers to provide you with gloves, first of all, and secondly, what that might be doing from a from a food safety standpoint. What I gleaned from from Anton was that there was a, ra- a Russian rapper. Who's, who said who opened up a restaurant and and then provided gloves because I guess your hands get messy and this was before COVID nineteen but now many other restaurants who serve burgers also now serve them with with gloves and and so my conversation with him was like why why is this happening and and I I asked him about like are there other foods that people eat with their hands in Russia and I'm like I like please excuse my naivety around Russian cuisine. And, and I didn't say to him, I was in Russia for two days once and I don't remember eating a burger, but, but I don't know what, like, I couldn't think of other foods that I would eat with my hands. And he's like, yeah, it's not, it's commonplace, but I want to come back to that. Cause I actually didn't ask him about other types of foods, like fruits and vegetables, like fruits, like how do you like, are there like, do I, do people eat apples with their, 
with a knife and fork in Russia? Because there are foods that people eat with their hands. There's, there has to be. Anyway, he said that that you know sandwiches aren't really a thing, and the only hand, you know hand meals that they would have are, are burgers and maybe you know a, a couple other you know wraps like uh, kebabs, but just not commonplace. And so so anyway, what I arrived at was no. Gloves probably aren't protecting much. They're just keeping their hands from being messy. And yeah, so what so what do you what were your thoughts? Yeah, well, so absolutely and this see whole this whole idea of wearing gloves while eating burgers, like that was the original marketing pitch, right? It's like our burgers are so juicy and so delicious you're going to want to wear gloves, right? Like that was the that was the original pitch. It wasn't a food safety pitch or it wasn't a coronavirus safety pitch. And and I I talked with him for a long time. He's a very thoughtful guy. I thought it was a really good interview. He only ended up ended up using one quote, but it would it would be the quote that I would want in the article and and I'll I'll read it. And what I said was I what I don't want is to be so paranoid about eating with gloves that people forget that the overwhelming risk of the overwhelming majority of the risk comes from other people, right? Like yeah, that's yeah. that's the key. Like wear gloves, don't wear gloves. There's there's sustainability consequences. You know, more gloves in a landfill is not a good thing. We should save the gloves for the hospital workers that really need them. How much is the glove actually going to be protecting you anyway? Right? Like like here's the thing. Like let's say I walk. So and so what's what what's being protected? So I walk into the restaurant with the virus on my hands. I'm so anxious for this burger. I don't have time to put on hand sanitizer or go to the bathroom. But you're going to give me and and wash my hands, right? But you're going to give me gloves because I might accidentally get the virus in my food from my hands that I brought in from, you know, outside. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't quite add up, right? It, again, right, it, right. it deals with the fact that it deals with this whole idea that people really, like they're doing things because it, it seems like a good thing to do. Like I see people again in my neighborhood in cars wearing masks or walking down the street wearing masks. And we can, you know, it's, it's the neighborhood's not that busy. We can be, we can be 50 feet apart, right? We can be easily, you know, 10 feet apart when we walk past each other. One person goes onto the road, one person goes onto the lawn, right? I mean, so there's not, but yet people are doing these things because they think that it makes them safe, right? And so I, I guess I, you know, again, I keep coming back to like, it's this risk hierarchy, right? Step number one, stay away from people. Right. Step number two, if you can't stay away from people, wear a mask. And then further down on that list, significantly further down is wash your hands, use hand sanitizer. Right. And we again, we don't have a lot of evidence. We have very, very little evidence that of those seven million cases plus on the planet might be over eight now because the U.S. is doing their part to, to be number one, uh, that, yeah, USA, USA. But, you know, that, that, that there's just a fraction of the cases come from contact with fomites from inanimate objects and no right. cases as far as we know from food. So let's focus on where the risk is and, and not lose. And because the, the, all of those things are not like social distancing, wearing masks, washing your hands, using hand sanitizer. Those, those are not four equal risk reduction measures, right? Let's focus on the important ones and do those ones to the best extent possible. And we'll do the other ones as needed. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Real-time update. I just checked the uh, Johns Hopkins tracker. 9.2 million confirmed cases, oh, uh, 2.3 million in the U.S., number one. Brazil, Deep Caprina, gaining closely at 1.1 uh, million cases. Yeah, it's, it was 7 million just a few days ago, man, because yep. I, was, I was quoting that number just a few days ago. Jeez. Yep, yep, yep. Gee whiz. Exactly. 
It's crazy. It's crazy. It's it is, and, and of course we need to be you know reducing restrictions and let's get more people together. Just yeah. Oh, Don, let's not end on such a sad note, but I think we have to. So that's been a show. I think you know again, always awesome to talk to you. Like I said, I, you're the only person I like to talk to before nine a.m. <laughs> uh, well, maybe your kids and your wife. I I'm not sure. I've, <laughs> Sure. Okay. No, no, no. They're, they're also great. They're also great. But yeah. So, and, and, uh, you know, obviously our, our podcast, we're, we're talking about the things that are on our mind. And a lot of that is COVID-19 and food safety, because that's what's going on. And, and at some point in the future, we'll get back to talking about other like non-COVID-19 outbreaks, like cyclospora and leafy greens. But Oh, there's a uh, cyclospora outbreak going on now, I think. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, thanks. Thanks again for, for chatting. And Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You got time to schedule? Yep. Yeah, I told, I, it's like a just a quick update thing that I, they know I'm going to be late, and they're totally good. They, they're going. Cool. So today is the 24th, July 8th. So I've got we have a, a biweekly like task force meeting for food safety people. That is the North Carolina Food Safety Task Force regular meeting. It is scheduled for July 8th, so I think I'm going to try and avoid that. Could you do July 9th? I could. I've got potentially afternoon calls with people on Michelle's grant to kick off our QMRA stuff, but we could do, I could do, easily do the morning. Yep. Yeah, and I'm wide open. So, yeah, we, why don't we try for 9 a.m. again? Again, yep. yep. I like this. This gets me, gets me coffee, gets my coffee going. Uh, block out the whole morning here. And, uh, yep, cool. That's a go. And this this episode is yours, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Cool. And I think I sent you all the things I talked about. Yep. And I'm I'm gonna send you. I sent you all the titles. Oh, these are good. So let me know what ones you like. And uh, yeah, I've got links on everything we talked about. I, I like Tick Man. I do too. Yeah. And then we can use a picture of the tick. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Yep. Or or a tick. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think uh, the cartoon character. I think yeah. 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 No. This is good. Cool. 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 And so I'm serious though. I think we should do. Like, I know Afri's not open, but I'm going to call Pew. I'm going to call Karen and Sandy and see if they are interested in actually, you know, they talk about changing policy around delivery and stuff. It's like, I think we need to generate some data on this. Like, I'd like to, I, you know, I'm all like pumped up after doing 
the the last proposal that I I'd like to put together like a team to do to address this. Yeah, and I'm not sure what else is going to happen, right? Eventually, it looks like CFP has been postponed again to April. Has it? <laughs> yeah, Wait, yeah. Is that, breaking, is that breaking news? Yeah, there was an email from David. I'm not on his list. How is <sighs> I? Like- I had I had to tweak my email rules because he sends a lot of stuff that's not exactly I want to read right away. So, but yeah, in my somewhere else. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. Um, go ahead. You, you go ahead. Yeah. So anyway, CFP is postponed to April, 2021, but, oh, but I don't think this much is going to happen. And I don't think the committee is going to be rechartered to, to look right. at the issue. Right. Or at least there, that, that's not an, that's, that, that's not in the issues that we submitted. We didn't ask to be re rechartered. So yeah, I mean, I think other than, you know, Chapman or Chapman, your Chapman, Hallman, Hallman and, Hallman, and me Hallman getting and off our butts and getting the, the papers published that we need to publish. There's, there's there, we just need to do some stuff. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. And reaching out to Sandy would be, and Karen would be great. Yeah. And I think like they're, yeah, we should, we should do that. And yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. Cool. See, now I'm getting like weird. I'm looking at my, I'm derailed by looking at my uh, junk mail (laughs) and and I'm not, I might be getting like other junk mail that's getting listed. I don't know. I don't know what this is. Okay. Anyway, I'm not going to just read you my emails. So, okay. I think we got a plan. Sounds good. Okay. Bye. Bye.